the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by The Athletic. With sports now back, there's no better place to keep up with everything happening than The Athletic. Delivering all access, insights, and powerful stories you won't find anywhere else. Get the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, get a personalized feed of great content built around you as the sports fan. There's no ads, no clickbait, just sports coverage bringing you closer to the heart of the game. Visit theathletic.com slash for 40% off today. Again, that's theathletic.com slash Happy Monday. My name is Mike Giannetti, coming to you live from a lake in the Adirondacks, so bear with us if there's some technical difficulties today. We're going to keep this short and sweet, but didn't want to miss this with the return of so many sports this weekend and some juicy baseball to get to and, of course, some basketball. So I'm going to start here. Um, you know, everybody who's followed this podcast for a while knows I'm an avid Mets apologist. There was obviously some disheartening Mets news this year, but um, it kind of you know, it kind of encapsulates the discussion that we've been having on this show, whether it's been a couple of guests coming in and saying this or, or just myself kind of spewing into a microphone. This is kind of this is going to happen with all these sports. I really think so. I think what happened with Juana Cespedes basically saying I'm done. <laughs> I've made my money. I'm going to get out of here. Uh, this is a, this is not a good Mets team. This is not a good situation for Major League Baseball. So I'm just going to walk away right now. Whatever happens next year it can happen next year. Um, not a good look, of course, for him. You know, terrible situation for the Mets to be in. They lose their cleanup hitter in the middle of a weekend without even knowing. I mean, the initial report is the Mets can't find you in a Cespedes, so that's never a good thing to wake up to when you're on vacation. But like I said, this to me, this is going to be the beginning of a lot of this, where, I, I mean, I did the numbers, obviously, for the site. Cespedes made over $300,000 this year in 10 days. That's what his contract bore out to. So <laughs> when you're staring down the rest of the season and you're seeing what's happening with the Marlins and you're seeing what's happening with the Phillies and the Cardinals, I get it. I get guys who have already made 130 million saying, all right, you know, I, I can pay my bills this year. I'm going to walk away and keep this thing simple from here out. He won't be the last. This will be the start of a chain of these and in, in really a few of these sports, I believe. Uh, we're going to bring in Scott Allen in a couple of minutes here and talk basketball, which really seems to have their ass together right now. I mean, if you're watching these games, the production is everything we kind of hoped it would be. The gameplay is as solid as we thought it would be. Kudos to the players for being in the kind of shape they're in and giving us real basketball right out of the gate here. I think there was definitely a step back in baseball. Um, and you get it. I mean, you, it's tough to, tough to be used to 20,000 fans and showing up and seeing zero fans and everything else about the game is supposed to be totally normal. So I get that baseball players are struggling right now and you're not seeing, you know, great, great power hitting right now. You're seeing plenty of injuries on the mound, which I think we all anticipated. So the game of baseball is struggling as a whole, and it's really starting from the top. The way they handled this COVID situation, the way they handled the testing, maybe the lack thereof, um, the, the way they kind of just sort of limped into the season after battling ne with negotiations for money, it shows. It shows on the field. It shows with the players' reactions. It shows with the majority of these teams struggling out of the gate. So the Cespedes thing, like I said, is an unfortunate situation, but I think it's just par for the course. It's what they signed up for, unfortunately, and uh, I get it. Like I said, the numbers are there. He made 300 grand this year. He's got 130 million in his career. He doesn't need to walk down this right now. So we'll see where that gets us from here out. But that's obviously one of the big dominoes to fall here this weekend in terms of baseball. And I'm not even into the Marlins and the Phillies and the Cardinals, but obviously they're struggling with what they're going through. And we'll see if this thing can even get through another week. But not a good start for baseball. 
I understand guys taking their money and running. And on that note, you saw a couple of tweets from me this week. The NFL situation is not any better. I mean, they've certainly done their due diligence and they're trying to put together a system that's going to work for everybody. But this opt-out situation, it's not an accident that they're trying to push this opt-up deadline two days earlier than, than it should be. They originally wrote it's going to be seven days after this, the agreement is signed. That is Thursday. They want this thing to be done today, Monday, possibly Tuesday at the latest. There's a reason for that. It's because agents and players sat down and realized, hey, opting out is the better option here because $150,000 to walk away right now is safe money. That's safe, especially if I'm an undrafted free agent or, or I'm somebody who signed a minimum salary contract this offseason and I'm on the roster bubble. If I'm staring down a 53-man bubble right now, I'm opting out because it does two things. It gives me 150 grand to walk away. I understand that's a salary advance for some players, but still, it's 150 grand in my pocket right now. And two, it freezes my contract. So, those, so if I'm, if I'm an, an undrafted free agent, the team can't touch me. The team can't touch me until next offseason, whenever that might be. So I, I'm essentially tied to whatever teams sign me as, an, as a UDFA until next March when that team will have a whole new set of decisions to be made. So if I'm a running back who's a fringe bubble player, opt out, <laughs> opt out. Now, I'm not telling guys not to play football. You know, I understand the competitive nature to this, and I understand agents getting in the ears and saying, this is your decision, this is a family decision, it's a personal decision. I'm telling you what the NFL's agreement says and what the money says. And, and obviously the money is going to be the root of many of these conversations. If I'm not, if I'm not, if I think I can't be active for five weeks in 2020 as a bubble player, then the app out's more money because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take five active weeks on a minimum $610,000 contract to make the opt out money in 2020. So to me, that's the decision that should be made between the agent, player, and family and all that. If we're talking about money, you know, am I going to make five weeks? And am I going to last it for five weeks? If not, just let's just pause for 2020. We'll come back in 2021. Obviously, there are a couple of big names that opted out this, this week. A couple more Patriots are out. C.J. Mosley, maybe the Jets' best player overall, is out. He's got three years guaranteed on that massive overpaid inside linebacker contract. So you, you understand him pausing. Um, couple of big ones elsewhere out west of course we had a few uh i'll see if i can find another list and obviously the other details i want to get to were look at these opt-outs this COVID situation it's not stopping these major contracts from happening we've still we've still trying to lock down some details on the miles garrett contract but we do have joey bose's information it's a normal standard extension uh those details are all on spotrate.com right now i got them in this morning 35 million dollar signing bonus Three years fully guaranteed. The fourth year guarantees in 2022. So there's an early guarantee there, or guarantee mechanism now. I guess that's the buzzword to use. So teams are not afraid to push out standard contract extensions to their elite players. So if that's happening, then NFL owners and teams aren't super worried about this revenue. I can tell you that right now because the Mahomes deal would never have happened. The Bosa deal would never have happened. I'm glad they did. I think it's good for the player, good for the team in, in a lot of cases. But my point is the COVID situation is tough and it's, and it's obviously a lot for these players and teams and owners to handle right now, but it's not, it's not scaring these teams off from spending money. Let's put it that way. So uh, as these extensions become more, uh, more relevant and things like that, we'll of course have deeper shows on the entire off season. That was the NFL, this crazy off season for a lot of these sports. Um, so we'll dive into those contracts a little deeper then, but just wanted to get out there that we do have the Bosa contract information and it's standard. There's nothing, you know, COVID protecting about it. It's standard three years, fourth year kicks in early. 
He's going to get 40 plus million this year. He'll have 78 million over the next three seasons. It's good coin for a really good player. And oh, by the way, I think his brother is going to eventually eclipse that by quite a few million in the coming years as well. So good for the Bosa family getting on their feet and getting some, getting some cash for sure. Okay. Today's episode is also brought to you by Dynasty Owner. Do you think you're smarter than the NFL GMs? Are you the best at fantasy football? Here's your chance to prove it. Dynasty Owner gets the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office and the business side of the NFL franchises. Build a roster of players using actual NFL contracts and actual NFL salaries. Build a winner, stay under the salary cap, give your child a chance at cash prizes, and to compete in the chase for the ring. Tell them Spotrex sent you. You'll get an extra bonus after joining. Visit DynastyOwner.com today and get yourself ready for fantasy football. Okay, let's bring in Scott Allen, talk a little basketball. Scott, welcome back to the show. A little bit crazy here with the uh, <laughs> the remote setting, but I hope, hope hopefully this is going well today. Uh, hopefully it was a good weekend for you. I'm guessing you watched a lot of basketball. Basketball, baseball, racing, <laughs> yeah. not enough devices to watch everything that is starting to come back on. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, I, I think there's like 50, 60 professional sports events this weekend. So if you had nothing to do, it was a good weekend to be home and watching sports, that's for sure. Let's focus on the basketball. I know you got a couple of tidbits to get to, but just overall thoughts on the gameplay, the production. Uh, you know, we, you and I kind of set the bar high based on what Silver was doing with Disney out of the gate. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on it? For the most part, the teams have come ready to play. Um, we've seen in some instances where the conditioning of players late in the game has been a slight factor. Um, so I think with these eight games to lead up to the playoffs, by the time we get to the playoffs, teams are going to be in full swing here. Um, I, you know, the setup itself I'm pretty impressed with what the NBA has done to uh, shrink the sizes of the venue to make it consolidated. Um, I, I think from what I'm seeing, the players actually like the uh, that there's a little bit more of a fringe around the um, yeah. court where they're not having to deal with fans. If they're running after a ball, uh, they know that they have room to try to go after that full speed instead of pulling up at last second. Um, the, the fans, the, the virtual fans is a nice element because, you know, you see the movement and if you're not really paying attention, you know, it, it's an element that's there. I don't know if it's affecting the players or not while they're in game, but as a whole, you got to give the NBA kudos for having all these things figured out and it seems to be working. Yeah, I think your point about the virtual fans is important because I've obviously been watching a lot of baseball, even up here in the campgrounds. Um, I'm trying to stream as much as possible just to keep up. The teams that are doing the cardboard cutouts, I, I, I was laughing at this a month ago because it just seems so gimmicky and such a way to kind of make a couple of bucks. You hit the nail on the head. It's not about are they realistic or not. They're simply decoys. They're simply background noise that over time, you can just settle into it. It's just, it's nice to have something there to look at behind the scenes versus empty seats, because we all have like a premonition of what empty seats means, right? If you're, if you're a Tampa Bay, if you're a Florida hockey fan, for instance, you know what I mean? Empty seats means a whole different thing to you, but anybody, any kind of creativity, I think is working at least enough to trick our eyes as we're watching the normal game, like, like we want to be. So I, I agree. I think that 
the, whatever they spent on those ridiculous screens to, uh, to cover up the empty seats in those NBA arenas, it's working. I think it's brilliant. Uh, I think the point about having expanded sidelines is going to be a thing. I think there are some point guards, especially, who want to be a little bit more versatile on, the, on those wings as they come up the court and down the court. I think that's going to be a thing that stays. I, I think courtside seats might be in jeopardy here. <laughs> I really do. Because having the, that extra couple of feet just to maneuver, you know, obviously in air, I think you're going to have some athletes on the court that can really take advantage of that. So I think you're right. You hit the nail on the head. Some of these quick, simple, uh, you know, revisions they made might be sticking here, right? Yeah, I do. And especially with, you know, when fans are able to come back to the arenas, they're going to want the uh, fans to be off from the court a little bit. And I think this is a opportunity for the league to implement a bigger threshold around the court. So the big one was Zion. Zion coming back opening night there on that Thursday. He was kind of questionable coming into the day. They decided to put him on basically a pitch clock. Um, 15 minutes, really productive 15 minutes. I think there was some speculation about whether he should have been in the game at the end of the, at the end there to try to win the thing. Uh, what are your thoughts on Zion? Is this, is he kind of doing a solid for the league here or is this really just him being a competitive guy and say, and forcing the Pelicans to put him on the court at this point? I think it's him being competitive. I think the Pelicans are hesitant because they want to focus on the long term, not right now. They know they're not going to make the playoffs. They've what lost three games here. Yeah. So going into the playoffs, they're they're not going to be in the playoffs most likely. So, you know, should the question now is should he play probably at all? Uh, maybe from a player development standpoint, you put him on to get some of the minutes in there. But that 15 minutes, they're they're holding firm to that. They're not going to overexert him. But when he's on the court, I mean, you can tell that he, he's not 100%. Uh, whether it's a hidden injury or something is just off. But, you know, the Pelicans are, you know, they're dragging their feet because they don't want to jeopardize his development going forward because they know his ceiling is so high. And, and we're seeing that with the Orlando Magic. They have Jonathan Isaac. He missed 31 games in the, uh, during the season. Uh, they brought him back thinking he was healthy, and he had a non-contact ACL injury, torn ACL. And now that's going to jeopardize him going into next season. So I think, uh, you know, teams – especially those that are at the bottom and have a chance of not necessarily making it. If there's any kind of injury issue with a player, you may see them hold back moving forward here. Scott, what's the situation with Zion and his future contracts? Does he have to go two more seasons before he can be extended? Yeah, he can't be extended until after the third year. Okay. So he's got time then for this salary cap situation to kind of feed itself out because obviously you, you don't want to be in a rookie extension situation coming in for 2021 when this salary cap is absolutely going to dump. All right, Scott, let's move on a little bit here. What else about basketball is kind of uh, doing it for you? I mean, do we have any situations that are going to be? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's sort of news, but, you know, the Knicks getting a, a new head coach, uh, Tom Thibodeau, it ended up being a five-year contract. I haven't seen anything with uh, – 
monetary value, uh, but it sounds like five years. So that's going to be an interesting situation moving forward for the Knicks here. Okay. Um, and just kind of reading through the news here as I, as I try to keep up with as much sports as possible, the XFL got purchased. I didn't even realize the XFL was up for sale. Is this just a situation where the, Dwayne Johnson said, I, I want to keep this thing going. I've got the ability to do this financially. I got a couple of backers. Did I see it right? Is it, was it a $15 million purchase? Yeah. From what I saw, $15 million. Vince McMahon had filed for bankruptcy back on uh, April 13th. So um, it, it sounds like, you know, Everything The Rock touches right now seems to be turning to gold, and he thinks he can resurrect this XFL. Uh, from what I did, I did a little bit of digging here. It sounds like McMahon himself owned 80% of that XFL league, and the uh, managing company uh, of the WWE owned 20%, and McMahon had initially uh, spent $100 million to get this up and running. So for The Rock to buy this at $15 million is probably a steal with everything that he's got his hands in right now. How are you feeling about the business of sports right now, just as a whole? I mean, everybody's kind of flexing right now. Everybody's, I mean, you and I have talked a lot about how some of this stuff has become gimmicky, but on purpose. I mean, baseball now, <laughs> with their extra inning rules, these seven inning double headers, I mean, they're kind of going all in on anything to shorten this game right now and make it as safe as possible. We talked about some of this NBA stuff that might stick through into next season with these expanded sidelines and things like that. Um, sponsorships still seem to be everywhere, especially on those big digital boards in the NBA. I mean, there's some seat sponsors in, in Major League Baseball. I, I, I mentioned in the open, and I'm not sure if you heard, if you caught it, that the NFL is not stopping handing out these gigantic extensions. I mean, we're still seeing top historic NFL extensions to these elite players right now amidst the pandemic, which I know for a lot of people is probably rubbing them the wrong way. But I think my point in saying that and then this conversation is, are, yes, sports are losing money, but are they even really being affected right now from a business standpoint? I mean, this thing's going to bounce back, right? Almost immediately. I guess you could equate this to, to investing in the stock market. These yep. leagues are invested and they're just going to keep chugging along as if eventually they're going to get back to zero and then make more after the fact. This is just a, a hiccup downturn and they're, they're, running as a standard procedure and then once things can clear up and they're they're probably banking on making twice or three times as much once everything is really back in flow because they know the fans are going to want to come to the games I mean watching the NASCAR race yesterday my wife saw the television and goes are those fans and I said, yeah, they're, they're opening it up more and you're going to see more and more of that. And on top of it, you can still see the sponsorships and, and everything entailed. But yeah, I think the leagues are pushing forward as if everything is normal and they're going to deal with the implications of the cap when they get there. I agree. I agree. And I, and I think, I mean, you and I have said this a million times, but it still bears worth saying because of everything we just said, because the sponsorships are still there, possibly even greater at this point because of all the interactivity that these broadcasts are providing, it, they better do right by these players. They better work their butts off to keep these salary caps at least level 
because if they're able to contain to build this kind of revenue creatively in about a month's span, which is about what the, the NBA took to build Disney, right? I mean, this is like their rough draft version of, of the NBA and Disney, and it's pretty darn good. So can you imagine what a couple of years of planning with that could be from a sponsorship standpoint? I, I think what, what this has proven is these guys are pretty resilient. These, these leagues can withstand quite a bit. And I understand that there are still millions of dollars being bled out from these leagues. But my point is they're still fully functional right now in the middle of it. Six months into this thing, they're still fully functional. So uh, they better do, do, do right by these players, do right by these salary caps, these luxury tax thresholds, and really push to keep that integrity in place. I, I mean, look, if you scroll anywhere on a sports business site like The Athletic or a Sportico or something like that, every single article having to do with these sports leagues is talking about new partnerships, new sponsorships, new interactive pieces. I mean, Apple has now gotten themselves involved. Apple has been kind of the, the lone soldier staying away from sports, right? I mean, you've got Facebook to some degree, Twitter and Amazon are certainly involved in the NFL and baseball. Apple's kind of been the guy standing on the island saying, we don't really need that right now. Well, guess what? They're ready. <laughs> They're ready. And, and the article I'm reading on Sportica right now says Apple's ready to bring in about $200 billion to get an NFL package, to get some sort of interactive NBA package. That's money that hasn't even been brought to the table yet from a sports standpoint. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> like there, there's people out there that the sports hasn't even reached out to yet. So I, I just hope that while we're changing so many things, while we're obviously flexing and adjusting for this COVID situation and the fans are kind of the outside looking in, I hope that the integrity of the game that the sport, that the fans have been paying for remains intact because they've shown now that they, they can do that even in this dire straight situation. Yeah. Completely agree with that. Okay. What else? What's going to happen? What's, what's next in sports, Scott? Are we, we going to see the major league baseball shut down? Is that next? Is, is hockey going to become come to the forefront? Cause postseason hockey generally kind of drives, but there's so much competition. Everything is happening right now. NFL training camps are officially open. I mean, you name it, it's happening right now. You know, NASCAR is getting, getting close to the postseason for them. I know golf's got a major coming up next week. This is, this is a crazy week of sports because everything's sort of happening at times when it shouldn't be happening. Uh, what's next? Is it another, is it, is, is Aaron Judge going to get $450 million next week? Is that what happens? <laughs> I would not put it past it. You know, anything for baseball to stay relevant and have some sort of good news, if you want to call that good news for, at least for Judge, um, you know, it, it's great to see all these things back. And like I said, at the top, when I came on, you know, there's so much that you sort of have to pick and choose. I had split screen and iPads and phones running just to watch as much as I could when I could. I, it's, it's really interesting seeing the NHL have, you know, a 12 o'clock game and then a three o'clock game and then a seven. I mean, it's back to back to back. Same with the basketball. I mean, we're seeing back to back. It's sort of like March Madness where, you know, you, you, you blink and you're going to be in the next game. So it's going to be interesting from that standpoint. And the, the next thing that I'll say is, as I watch these games this weekend, I was thinking about, you know, what Adam Silver has been trying to do for the last few years and trying to have some kind of tournament. And it would be interesting to see if one of these leagues does like a, uh, you know, an opening tournament or a mid season tournament and be exclusive at 
ESPN or in Vegas or wherever uh, to, to generate, uh, you know, if not fans using this structure where you've got these giant TV screens behind generating fans through social media, but you're really getting bombarded with the sponsorships. Like you were saying, I mean, you're Mm. seeing giant billboards with sponsorships all over the place. Uh, Instead of, you know, running it on an advertisement, we're seeing them constantly on those jumbotrons, you know, fans see them when they're there at the, at the event. But now that you're seeing not only sponsorships during the game constantly and commercials, I mean, you're sort of doubling up on those sponsorship uh, dollars. You know, it's funny, Scott, because I was about to make a point that it's sort of similar to that, but you kind of brought it more full circle. So like I said, I said here for the ninth time, I'm kind of sitting here on a campground overlooking a lake. The, 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 The problem with sports in the summer generally was that that leagues thought there weren't enough butts sitting on couches watching sporting events to justify having leagues run during July and August, right? That's why, you know, they call it the dog's days of baseball, where baseball kind of becomes boring and complacent. Nobody wants to watch it anymore, and the players are all kind of going through their injuries. Um, That's not the case anymore. The, the, idea, the times of sitting on, on your butt on a couch in front of a television screen all year round is gone. I, I watched a baseball game and a basketball game on my phone yesterday without any trouble in the middle of freaking nowhere. Like, I had no trouble getting, getting enough access to watch these games exactly how I wanted to watch them. To, to me, I think, your I, think, point, I think your point is extremely valid. I think, first of all, the, the very first thing you said to start the show, Scott, was that you're glad the NBA has these eight games to lead up to the postseason because the, it looks like a couple of these teams needed it. It looks like there was some growing pains, some, some getting in some game shape for a couple of players that maybe they fell out of shape over the quarantine. Couldn't you treat your opening tournament just like that to kind of slow play teams and slow play players and have a little fun with it, but also get these guys ready to go for a full season that, that really doesn't matter until November, December for basketball, for instance? I love the idea of an opening tournament that is fun, somewhat informal. Yeah, do it right there in Disney now that you've got a comfortable situation set up there and you know how to handle it. But the, the, the idea of not being able to do anything in August is done. We, we want it all year round. <laughs> Whether it's, that's why free agency works. It's because we haven't stopped caring about anything. So if that's all that's here, we'll, we'll watch free agency. If the draft is all that's available, we'll watch the draft. But if you want to give us live sports, we're going to watch that too is my point. Yeah, I think the opening tournament is a super interesting idea for any of these leagues. I mean, the NWSL, I believe they're, they had their tournament here, and they're still going to try to have some resemblance of a season after the fact. That, that's what their hope was. But with hockey or even baseball, I get spring training, but even if you did like a, a spring training, you know, three-game series and did a tournament style and – had some sort of trophy in the beginning or with hockey. I mean, I think you're, you're eradicating that preseason. You're making the preseason sort of mean something, but the players are, uh, you know, getting valid reps and having something to play for. They want a trophy. They want to have whatever at the beginning, but Instead of the preseason, like in the NFL, where, you know, maybe some people will watch, some won't, it's been diluted, 
X, Y, and Z, you have something that is extremely valid. Um, the tournament style may not work as well with football, but these other leagues, I mean, think of uh, NBA usually has what five or six preseason games. If you did a tournament style, that's extra revenue. If you, once fans are able to uh, have butts back in seats, that's additional revenue from Jersey sales, from concessions, ticket sales, et cetera. And so you, you're able to uh, jump on extra money uh, to fund the league and have something that the players are going to essentially want to play for, even if they threw in a monetary value, an extra sort of like the all-star game that the NBA did this year. They added a charity element. But the fact that if they started this as a yearly thing, it would become sort of like the Daytona 500 is the beginning of the NASCAR season. You'd have this tournament, you would have a trophy to say, we won the preseason trophy or whatever. And, you know, it's something that the players would have to look forward to. And on top of it, if teams didn't want to play LeBron James for 35 minutes, you could play the players in a development standpoint. Those players that are eight, through 15 on your roster, you could play them in the games more to get them some actual physical gameplay to get them ready for the season. And, and then you may have less injuries moving forward. Or if you have injuries, you have someone that is viable to get on the court and, and contribute. So baseball in their return here, they expanded the active roster to 30. You're allowed three taxi players. And then there was a 30 person development camp called the alternate roster, uh, you know, for depth because they knew the COVID situation was going to get them. And they were, they were right, by the way. Um, I love the idea of starting the basketball season with expanded rosters and combining the summer league tournament with this opening NBA tournament. Because, again, you can bring development and slow player veterans, which they want anyway. LeBron doesn't want to go full speed in October. He never will. It's never going to happen. And, uh, you know, all the other veterans are, are in his camp. So you combine a developmental league with the, the opening of the NBA season, games that matter. So you got you to take care of your roster in a, in a more, you know, filled out way. But I, I love the idea of starting with a big active roster. And then at some point, maybe November 1st, it cuts back down to your 15 or your 16 like, we, like we're used to. And it's go time. And there's, it's literally like a signal of go time, <laughs> which like you said for – for a lot of these other sports, these, they have this stuff built in already. There's already a slow play process to it. Um, the other point, Scott, what, what else are tournaments very, uh, very easy and, uh, and, and fun to do? Betting. Betting. Tournaments are so easy to gamble on, and they're so, they bring so much excitement from a gambling perspective, especially how, with some of these leagues and teams that are now linked direct exclusively with gambling partners, with casinos, if this was the way to start a season and you're launching like a new, you know, betting kiosk inside of your arena, for instance, like the new Golden State, or I know the, the DC area has got a bunch of this going on. There is no better way to start a season from a financial standpoint than to have all of your fans getting ready to bet. <laughs> I mean, they're betting on the summer league stuff. So they're definitely going to bet on a tournament for sure. Yeah. And I think your dollars would triple quadruple. Yeah. If you did that, because th there's a more of an investment than a summer league and you're seeing players 
you know, work out the kinks. Uh, you know, you may see LeBron play some minutes or Giannis play some minutes, and then you have other players stepping in. You know, to to go back to the beginning when we were talking about you know this uh, eight games and then the the playoffs for the NBA. You know, teams like the Wizards, the Nets, the you know the Pelicans, those teams that are at the bottom, even the Suns, they're getting extra reps for their their players that are developmental players especially the wizards i mean we've seen that with now beal is out so that's an extra uh player that's on the court when he isn't you know these these teams are getting that developmental time right now as opposed to the warriors are not the, the minnesota timberwolves are not you know any of those teams that are not playing these eight games right now they're at a loss which is why they wanted to have some uh some tournament style in Chicago or wherever they were going to have it. They wanted to have something to not fall behind because you are, they're getting players on their roster that are getting 30 days or whatever it, it turns out to be of playing time and reps and practice in a real environment where those teams aren't. So if you were able to flip that on the front side of a, of a season and allow teams to really sign those undrafted free agents or overseas guys or guys that you know have been in the G League give them time to develop you may see teams stronger in the middle in the back end uh, when marquee players are injured or going into the playoffs in itself because you're going to have guys that have had reps with these high caliber uh, players. It's sort of like when guys get pulled up in the, from the minors to the majors in baseball, you know, it's a completely different ball of wax when they're facing Max Scherzer versus a guy in triple a. So I think something of a beginning tournament may be in the future for some of these leagues. Okay, let's finish on this. Can you remember all the way back to September of 2019? <laughs> or let's try to remember our NBA picks from the beginning of the 2019-20 season, Scott. I remember mine. I think I remember yours. Who did you pick for the finals, and is it still a relevant choice for you? Uh, did I say the 76ers and the Lakers? I think you said Utah, right? Is that who I said? I think you said Utah. Did I say Utah? Yeah. Okay. All right, so you've got Philly and Utah. I've got Lakers Celtics. Yeah, that, uh, that's looking good. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm feeling good on that one. That one feels good still. It's a good Celtics team. But I, 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 think, I think that Toronto team is going to be a dark horse Me for too. sure. Me too. All right, keep watching sports. Keep up. Good work. Uh, anything on the site I should know about while I'm not here? <laughs> <laughs> no, just a lot of opt-outs here, and hopefully ba- hopefully baseball can continue. <laughs> yeah, I, one more opt-out that just came in, by the way. Juwan James, the starting right tackle for the Denver Broncos. That's going to be a hit. That's a young uh, Broncos offense that's going to need as much experience as possible. So another offensive tackle opting out. It's not going to be the last. Uh, the deadline's in a couple of days for the NFL. Like I said in the opening here, UNSS, but is not going to be the last Major League Baseball veteran to opt-out just because he's been – paid and doesn't want to deal with this anymore that's going to become a norm unfortunately we kind of saw the same thing with lorenzo Cain, although, although there was an injury attached to his as well but 
Oh, by the way, if you don't, if you don't want to think about the COVID stuff, plenty of players are still signing contracts. We had a $450 million quarterback contract. We had a $360 million outfielder contract. We had a $135 million defensive end contract. So uh, there's plenty of money still being passed around. I did a tweet last week about uh, some extension candidates in the NFL. I couldn't even fit them all on there. So at some point, I'm going to have to do a show about who's going to get paid next in the NFL. And honestly, I started to look at the baseball stuff, too. It's really freaking interesting. We mentioned Aaron Judge kind of jokingly, but you could put a, li a list of players. And, it, and it's really interesting, the players that need money. Some, some of your Trevor Bowers, uh, your Cody Bellingers are co coming up here for money. A bunch of the Mets players who might be in different homes soon. You know, Noah Syndergaard coming off of, an ACE, uh, of a Tommy John surgery. You know, are these guys going to get paid? Or where are we going with, with finances in baseball? if they're going to start to strip the game down. I mean, are seven inning Sunday games going to be a thing? Is this going to be a thing that sticks? Is the DH here for good? Does that devalue the National League pitcher? There's a lot of things that could change sports that are going to change the money in sports too. So we'll keep tracking that as much as possible, but just uh, keep watching sports, enjoy it while we have it. And we'll be back soon with another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. 